Um, get comfortable. Uh, if you have your Bible with you, yes, I'm so, I feel like I'm going to have such a good morning. Um, please take out your Bible, uh, turn to Acts, that's where we are speaking from, uh, Acts 4. Um, if you are here for the first time, welcome. You are right at the beginning of this journey, which is pretty exciting. Um, last week we did like an intro message to the book of Acts. Um, but uh, really exciting, and I think this is going to be a really challenging series for all of us. Um, I, I, I've read this um, this week, and yep, jeepers, it's been really exciting, but it's been really hard, because you, you look at the life that God, dis- the way God displayed His power through people in the book of Acts, and I'm like, God, I want this for my life. I want to see this in me. God, how can I talk from this uh, but not have a longing to experience the things that I read in the Scripture? So um, if you are in Acts uh, chapter 4, um, we're going to read from there. And uh, if, it's your, if you weren't here last week, um, we gave out cards. I actually don't know if you mentioned this, but um, there's cards on the info desk. Um, and basically just saying unstoppable, the theme, and a reading plan. And so every week we're doing about three chapters together. This morning I'm actually not speaking on the first three chapters, um, so don't feel like, oh, you feel betrayed, because now you read one, two, three, and now I'm starting at four. So please don't shoot me. Um, But uh, last week we started um, looking at Acts, and we actually just started with the first verse, Um, And we looked at how the author of Acts is the same author of Luke. And what happened in the Gospel of Luke has a massive effect on what is going to happen in the book of Acts. And so as we journey through together, um, I just realized I don't have time on me, so maybe that's not a good thing. Um, But before we get going, there's an underlying assumption here in this book, kind of like if you don't have this in the back of your mind all the time, then this book is not going to really make sense. There's an assumption that I need to make sure we are all aware of, and is there kind of the lens that we look through when we read anything in the book of Acts. And the assumption is this, that the purpose of your life as a Christian, is to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. I'll read that again. The purpose of your life as a Christian is to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's the assumption. So if you don't believe that, then whatever else I'm going to share this morning is not even going to make sense. Because that's is what we look at, and when we start reading the Gospel of Luke, all the Gospels, everything that Jesus did, He kind of set this up, that our purpose in life is to spread the Gospel to the ends of the earth. That is the purpose of your life. The purpose of your life is not to have a good marriage. The purpose of your life is not to come to church. The purpose of your life is not to have good health. It's not to have a great career. The purpose of your life is this. Now, those other things I just mentioned, yes, you are starting to get offended. That's good. Um, Those things are good, but they're because of the purpose. God wants to use a good marriage to advance His kingdom. 
Okay, you understand? So that, none of those things are bad. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is the purpose. This is what we're called to. And everything in life is about this. And everything we're going to read about today is about this. So if I don't say this at the start, then I'm assuming that you understand this. So I, I want to assume from now on forward for the rest of this series that this is at the forefront of what we do. Okay, We want the gospel to go to the ends of the earth, and that's the driving purpose of everything we do. Um, I want us to see that you know there's nothing... Um, more important than this. And uh, the, the amazing thing about this purpose is that that is the purpose, this is the purpose that God has for all human beings. This is the purpose of humanity at this moment, is to glorify God through accomplishing this purpose. So if this is the purpose of God, then it cannot be stopped because God cannot be stopped. So this is an unstoppable purpose. Okay, so um, I know I, I've got so much to do this morning. I really pray. Let me just pray because I didn't even put it in my notes. But Father God, I really pray for discernment. I pray just, Father God, for peace in my heart. I pray that you would help me, Father God, with just speaking the words that, we've, that I've dotted down here, Father God, and, and make it just sound sense, Father God. Please give people a spirit of discernment, Father God, to know... Uh, what they need to test, Father God, when they go home and just say, Yo, is, this, is this what God is saying to me? Uh, Father God, I really just pray for just a fun time when uh, looking at your word right now. Amen. There's a, there's a guy called uh, Robert, not a guy, a theologian, let me give him respect, um, a, a theologian called Robert Coleman, and he wrote a, a, a big, thick book um, about evangelism talking about off of the back of this purpose, um, and he talked about world evangelism. If this is our purpose, and this is what he wrote, and I'll give it, put it on the screen. It says, world evangelism is the divinely ordered goal for all of us. Not only is it attainable, it is inevitable. Whether or not we believe it, someday the gospel of the kingdom will be heard to the ends of the earth. Matthew 24, 14. The God of the universe will not be defeated in his purpose. Listen to this sentence. He says, Any activity not in step with God's design for human destiny is an exercise in futility. So it's pointless. Anything that is not in step with God's design is futility. The sooner we realize this and align our ways with his, the sooner we will be relevant to eternity. So in other words, anything we do that is not in line with God's purpose in humanity, in human destiny, is pointless. Whoa. So I want to urge us this morning, um, as individuals, as families, as believers, as a church, to give ourselves to that purpose. To say, God, what can we do better to achieve and fulfill this purpose and give ourselves to this, to this purpose? Um, and so, because we know that's an unstoppable purpose. Um, but I know that the world is constantly trying to keep us away from that. Everything in the world is trying to distract us from this purpose. And Satan does that really well. You know, he comes, even right now, he's withholding people from that purpose. 
Satan is, is distracting people from uh, that purpose, convincing us that there's more important things to give our money to, our time to, our energy to, than advancing the gospel. He will distract us. Uh, the devil comes and he, he seeks to divide us. We've got this common purpose as humanity, but the devil is really cunning uh, to turn believers against each other. You know, like we've got this global purpose, but yet the devil gets it right that we start having conflict with each other as believers, distracting us and dividing us against each other from our purpose, from accomplishing that purpose. There are battles raging in this room right now for holiness and purity. There are battles raging in this room against materialism and against consumerism because that is what the world wants you to believe is what you need to give your time, to give your energy to. That's your purpose. You need to accomplish that to, to find fulfillment. That's what the devil does. The devil comes to distract, to divide, um, and he seeks to destroy. But what I want to uh, look at today from the book of Acts is that the devil's strategies aren't new. They've been around since the beginning. They've been around since the beginning of the church. And uh, the church that couldn't be stopped then is the church that can't be stopped now. Because God has given us, <laughs> He's given us power over that. And he's, it's His purpose, so He can't be stopped. So it's just like, it's actually a joke. Um, but we need to say, God, thank you, and just enjoy that. So this morning, um, time permitting, I want to give us a couple of prayers that I want us to pray to uh, pray together as a church, to say, hey, guys, like this is our purpose. This is, this is it. It's not, hey, this is one of our things. It's, guys, we need to advance the kingdom wherever God has placed us, and through that, keep advancing it to the ends of the earth. This is it. So as a church, I want us to look at, Four, five prayers, uh, I think it's four, um, that we, I just want us to pray and say, God, like, help us in this purpose through looking at the book of Acts. So this morning, we're looking at unstoppable um, by persecution. So the fact that God is not stopped by persecution. Okay, so unstoppable, okay, by persecution. Um, so let's read uh, Acts 4, verse 23. So if you're there, Acts 4, 23, and I'm not going to put it up there just because it's too too many slides, and then I have to edit it. And you have a Bible, so win-win for me. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, and I really want to encourage you guys to bring your Bibles every week, because we are going to read. That's, that's what we want to do. We want to read God's Word together. Um, and so, if you, if you didn't read um, Acts 1 to 3 this week, basically what's happened is Jesus has left. He said, go and wait in Jerusalem. I'm going to send my Spirit God sends His Spirit, like, extravagantly, extreme first encounter. Oaks have tongues of fire on their shoulder. They speak in different languages like it was previously mentioned. People hear them speaking uh, these languages. Uh, thousands of people are saved at this moment. 3,000 people added in one day because of the power of God falling upon people that want to advance His kingdom to the ends of the earth that are sold out for this purpose. So that's happened. Um, chapter 3, we start seeing that. And then in chapter 4, what has happened here is John and Peter, um, because there's just crazy things happening for the first time in the world, literally it's the first time that this type of stuff is happening, 
the Jewish leaders are like, whoa, what the heck? We can't control this. This is not right. We don't believe in this. Um, you guys need to stop. So the Jewish council kind of uh, take Peter and John and they say to them, listen, Oaks, you need to stop what you're doing right now because we say so. You can't do this anymore. And they're like, listen, um, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to continue this, doing this or listen to you, you can judge. But we can't stay quiet because we've seen things, we've heard things, and we need to be obedient to God's will. And so they kind of leave, but that's almost like the first taste of persecution, the first taste of people saying, hey, you can't do what you're doing um, and because of what you believe, because of what Christ has done for you. And so I want to read uh, just, just their response Peter and John, and what they come back from that first encounter of persecution. And so in uh, Acts 4.23, it says, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported that the chief priests and the elders had said to them what they had said to them. And when they heard, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them, who brought... Uh, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in the city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, among with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined, to take place. And now, Lord, look upon the, these threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And so, my first prayer that I want us to say is like, God, give us confidence in prayer. So they, they are persecuted. They are facing hardship because of their obedience to Christ. And their first thing they have is boldness. And so why do they have boldness? Because they know to who they're praying to, the one that they're praying towards. They start uh, verse, I think, 24. It says, Sovereign Lord. They know who they're praying to. They know that their God is sovereign. He's, ab he's got absolute authority over everything. That's who they're praying to. That boldness comes out straight away, the first thing that they say. They would know this because they would have read Psalms. In Psalms 24:1, it says, The earth is the, Lord and every the, is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it belong to the Lord. Psalms 22, verse 27 says, Dominion belongs to the Lord. He rules over all the nations. Psalms 49, verse, uh, 47, verse 9, The kings of the earth belong to God. Psalm 66, verse 4 says, All the earth bows down to Him. And so this is extremely important because they need to know that everything that is happening to them and everything that Jesus has said will happen to them, which Jesus said, You will be persecuted if you follow Me. They know that's coming. But they know that God is sovereign. Everything that God allows, everything they're going through, God allows to happen. And that's fundamentally important because they need to know that God is sovereign and God will not allow anything to happen to you that He doesn't 
want to happen to you to advance this purpose, this purpose of advancing His gospel. He will allow anything to happen to you as long as it advances His gospel. Um, and so suffering, persecution, tough times, things that are coming, they know, God, we're going to have boldness in prayer because we know that you're sovereign. We know that you are good. We know that you are just because you're going to advance your kingdom. And so this week, as I was thinking about persecution and, and just thinking, hey, like, flip, I know there are stories of people right now over the last hundred years. If you go back over the centuries, you can find countless stories of of just people telling their stories of persecution and martyrdom. So I, I found this guy um, called Joseph Chong. I think that's how you pronounce his, pronounce his uh, name. Um, and he's a, he was a pastor. Um, he followed, followed Christ in Romania during the communist um, reign, oppression, in a, a country called Romania. Romania, Romania. I don't know. Romania. Romania, yes. Um, I didn't actually write it down here. Um, and he experienced really tough, hectic stuff because they weren't allowed to openly uh, have Christian gatherings, preach God's word. They were only allowed uh, certain religions, and, and the government said no to that. And so he faced house arrests starting like that. He faced guys just taking all his literature. He loved uh, just growing closer to God. Um, and then eventually getting arrested, chucked into prison, uh, beaten, uh, for what he believed in, telling, God telling him to stop. Um, and so this guy, he wrote a really good book uh, called Suffering, Martyrdom, and Rewards in Heaven. I haven't read it. Uh, I only got cool quotes from it. Um, and so, but I, I'm really excited to read it. Um, I want to get it. And uh, I'm going to just read some of the stuff in light of, of what we're saying. Like God is sovereign. He allows things to happen. Um, and uh, I want to read this. It won't be up there. I'll put the next one up. But just listen to it. It says, yeah, he, he recounts one time that he was being interrogated by six men. And he said to his interrogators, what is taking place here is not an encounter between you and me. This is an encounter between my God and me. The interrogators looked puzzled. Chong said, my God is teaching me a lesson through you. I don't know what it is. Maybe he wants to teach me several lessons. I only know, sirs, that you will only do to me what God wants you to do to me. And you will not go one inch further because you are only an instrument of my God. And so like he says, to, he says to his persecutors, you are an instrument to God. Uh, this is something between me and my God that He is ordaining. He is allowing. And uh, Tong, said, Tong said that every day I saw those six pompous men as nothing more than my father's puppets. This is a guy that is at the edge of probably dying for his faith because these guys tried to silence him because he was, he was sending out sermons on tape that, tapes that were changing that nation because they were preaching a message that was against communism. And so they wanted to stifle it. And so this is his response. I want us to think about this, that yes, Tong, you know, this guy's getting beaten. There's, there's things happening. But many of us won't face that kind of persecution. It's not likely that many of us in this room will find yourself in a cell one day because you're standing up for God. And I say it's not likely because in this week, 
like countless times I would just be like, God, I know I don't want I don't want to see people in a cell, but I want to hear stories of people from this congregation, from King City Church, going out and being called to a place where there are people that it requires this kind of radical obedience. Sure. So I know for many of us, this is not the kind of persecution we'll face. But we will be faced with situations and with things that we would not have chosen ourselves. As believers, there's situations and things that will come up that we will say, God, I would not have chosen this. You know, that could be losing your job unjustly. That could be not getting paid what you need to. That could be, I don't know, just at school, at work, people actually putting walls up against you, labeling you, saying, you know, we can't spend time with you, or, you know, rejection. There could be hectic things that we're saying, God, like, is this persecution? I don't know, like, sometimes I think about, you know, if, what if a hectic sickness came over me? You know, God, what about cancer? How do I, how do I understand your sovereignty in that situation and we need to we need to understand that everything God sends to us is he, it's part of his plan for your life see it doesn't make sense if we try to understand it and we don't bear in mind what our purpose is if our purpose is to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth then God will send things to us he will ordain things to happen to us he could send cancer to me because he wants to use that to advance his gospel through the way I respond and live in obedience to that situation so that his gospel can be advanced through me. And that can be, that can be a form of persecution. And so we, we see here that these guys, like they're praying, God, you are sovereign. You are, um, you know, you are in control. We know that. And so we, we're going to be obedient to who you are, to your will, no matter what. And they understand what kind of prayer that is. It's a massive prayer. Because they, they started seeing glimpses of persecution already. I want to say to you, God is not surprised by your, your situation or your circumstance you're in right now. If you're in a place where you're like, your God, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. God is sovereign. God is give, putting you in this place, in this town, your work situation, your family situation, the battle that you're going through right now, is there so that he can accomplish his purpose, the advancement of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And the beauty is that God is not surprised by anything. He's not surprised by anything. And, and we serve a God that is always faithful to his word. And that's what I see here, that we pray to the God that is always faithful to his word. So, so when there's a confusing situation that comes up, we can ask God because He has promised to give us all the wisdom we need. It says that in James 1 verse 3. When we are anxious, He will give us peace. Philippians 4. When we feel lonely, He will be with us. Matthew 28. When we are weak, He will be strong on our behalf. 2 Corinthians 12. He is always faithful to His Word. Always. God is just. He is faithful. There's, um, in John 15, it says, um, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. 
Ask whatever you wish according to my word. In John 14, it says the same thing. Whatever you ask in my name, I will give to you. And so we can sit back and say, hmm, that's cool. God, I, I really would like a new car. You know, you said, you said whatever, you, whatever I need, if I'm living according to your word, according to your will, ask whatever you need and I'll give it to you. I want to take us back to the purpose. The purpose is the advancement of the gospel, God's kingdom, to the ends of the earth. So our prayer should be, God, give me the right car so that I can advance your kingdom in the place you've placed me right now. God, give me, don't give me a luxury house, but God, if it's your will to give me a luxury house so that I can accommodate and spread your gospel through that, and that is my heart, then God says He will give it. It's not prosperity gospel, this. It's saying, God, I, wanna, I want to advance your kingdom. That's my purpose in life. So God, I want to remain in your honor, remain in your word, and God, give me whatever I need to advance your gospel. And so, like, I, you know, it's, it's great because I think there's lots of testimonies in this room right now of people who's, who's received what they need to do exactly that. I've personally experienced that. Like, last seven years of my life in Bulawayo has been so many moments of that, of God providing what I need to be here because this is the place He's called me to, to advance His gospel. Your job situation, wherever God, if this is our mentality, God will give us what we need to advance His gospel. And so when we know that we pray to the God that is sovereign, and we pray to the God that is always faithful to His word, that's where that confidence comes from. And that, then it starts affecting what we pray for. So who we pray to affects what we pray for. Okay, so then we start praying for the honor of Christ. And you can see it here. These guys are praying that. They say... Uh, that, that quote that they have there in verse 25 to about 26, 27 is from uh, Psalms 2 that talks about how the nations will come to Christ uh, as His inheritance. So that's what they're praying for. God, may, may we honor Christ in everything that we do. It's about you. It's about Christ. We pray for boldness in the church. That's what they're praying for here. You can see right at the end there, they began to speak uh, with God with boldness. Um, and so that's what I want us to see is to, to have a boldness because we know the God we serve. We know that He's faithful to His Word. And we know what our purpose is. And we start saying, God, in everything that we do, may we honor You. May we honor Christ in everything we do. May we not lose sight of Him. May we have a boldness in that. And like this, this week I was saying, God, what is, what is the boldness that I need to have right now here? What are the things that I need to preach and I felt the one thing coming in my mind and in my heart and my spirit over and over again was hope. We live in a place that people don't speak hope. We don't speak hope. We don't have boldness in hope. Because what is the hope that we're preaching? Is it a hope in the world? Or is it in a hope in Christ? Because when we understand that our hope is found in Christ alone then we can speak hope. And I, I really want to encourage us this week to say, hey, is there hope in your heart? Why isn't there hope in your heart? What is your hope found on? Is it in the accomplishment of your purpose? 
If your hope is lost because you're saying, God, I'm not going to accomplish the purpose that I wanted to achieve this by the age of this, or this month we needed to reach that. And, and yes, I know there are realities, but God will use everything to advance His gospel. And that's our purpose. So our hope is full, found in Jesus and that there, His purpose will be fulfilled. And then the last thing we start to pray for when it comes to uh, confidence in prayer is the advancement of His kingdom. And we've already talked about that, that God, like, we want to see your kingdom being advanced. Okay. The next thing, if we can turn to Acts 5, I'm not going to actually read it. I'll just show you so you can read it this week. <laughs> just because we're running out of time. Um, but in Acts, Acts 5, what happens here is um, as people are joining into this beautiful fellowship of believers, people are laying down their lives, they are starting to sell everything they have. They're selling what they have and they're giving to the needs of others. It's a crazy thing. Like, I'm not getting into this because I think it's crazy stuff here. Um, and hopefully through this journey we'll get into that. And I, I'm sure we will. But there are people selling everything they have. And there's, there's a couple here, a man and a wife, and uh, they sell a piece of property that they have, but they choose to keep a little bit for themselves. And you're like, sheesh, that's not bad because they're giving about everything away. Um, but that was, everyone was selling everything they had, and they were giving it together and distributing it as the needs were. So, and they had, they had felt that that is what needed to be done then. I'm not saying that's what we need to do now. That's what was happening then. And that's what the Spirit was leading everyone to do then, okay? And so this couple decides, no, they're going to keep a bit to themselves. So they go and give the rest. Um, and the, 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 I think it was the, um, Peter said to them, do you, did you give everything? And they, the man lies Ananias, hey. Um, he lies, and he dies on the spot because he lied. Um, and then his wife comes later, and she lies about the same thing, and she dies on the spot. And it's crazy stuff. But I, I was just reading this, and I don't want to get into it too much. I don't want to scare you about your disobedience because now if you lie, God is going to strike you down. But I want us to understand that we need a fear of God. That God's spirit is not something we mock, we toy with. God has said clearly what he expects of us. But yet we choose to fall back to other ways, to the way of the world. And so my, 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 other, my second prayer is God help us live in purity. You know, God hates sin. It's clear. God hates sin in your life. He hates sin in my life. And he hates sin in the church. In, in, uh, in Joshua chapter 7, one man's sin stopped the whole nation of advancing. God hates sin. Maybe you've got a secret sin in your life and you've been holding it on. You want to follow God, but you've just been falling back into that. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. But God wants to free you from that so you can accomplish His, gospel, His, His purpose for you. Advancing His gospel. So I want us to live, to pray, God, help us live in purity. And the beauty is that Jesus sent His Son to buy holiness for us. So, yes, there's sin in our lives. Yes, God, we need help to acquire this purity. But Jesus died for us. He died on the cross. We need to accept that 
But we cannot mock that sacrifice. Let's not trample on the blood of Jesus. Let's not mock the cross. Let's love it, appreciate it, and embrace it, and honor Jesus, honor Christ for what He did. Okay, that's the second one. So, third one is, Oh God, grant us joy amidst persecution. So, this is a massive one. And uh, if you turn to me to Acts uh, 6, verse 8, there's so much in this whole book that is just too good. Like, I'm skipping out out so many good stuff. It sucks. But uh, Stephen is the man that we're looking at. Okay, and... uh, Stephen uh, is one of just the believers. He's loving God. He's doing amazing things. And I'm going to read just a couple of verses. Uh, Bear with me. Please read with me if you can. Um, And it says here, And Stephen, full of grace and power. So uh, Acts 6 verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of freedmen, as it was called, and the Cyrenians, Cyrenians, yeah, and the Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia, yes, and Asia, rose up and disputed this uh, with Stephen, and they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, "Who have heard? Uh, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses." And God, and they stirred up people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have never heard him say, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs of Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who saw, saw and all who sat at the council saw that his face was like that of an angel. And so what is happening here is that Stephen is just, the spirit is just moving through him. People are offended. People don't like it. Okay. They give false just accounts of what he's doing just to try and imprison him, try and get him into trouble, kind of what they did to Jesus. The same thing happening to, this, to Stephen. And uh, the rest from chapter uh, 7 verses 1 to 43, I think, it's literally just a speech, like an awesome speech. Please go and read it this week. Um, where he just says, like, what are you guys saying? Like, honestly, are you saying I'm blaspheming against the law. Jesus has come to fulfill the law. You guys have uh, completely missed the point. Um, he says, you know, like you guys are saying, I have something against the temple. The temple doesn't matter anymore. God doesn't need a place made out of Uh, brick and stone out of man-made hands. We are God's temple. So he's just going against everything they're saying, um, and he's bringing it hot, like he is spitting fire, and these people are just getting offended, offended more and more. It's like he's digging this hole, like literally digging his own grave type of thing. Um, And so let's listen to how they respond to this this, um, speech of his in verse 54. It says uh, in Acts 7, verses 54. So, uh, 54. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God 
and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Oh my word. Like my prayer is like, God, if I want to see Jesus like that. Like if I can have a vision and like heaven, I can see into heaven. Like I want that. I, I honestly want that. And I want that for you. Imagine hearing stories of people saying, yo, I just gazed into heaven the other day and yeah, like Moses is doing well. Um, but like honestly having like these kind of encounters. And so verse 56, and he said, behold, I see the heavens open, over there, uh, 57, but they cried out with loud voices and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. So they pelted him with stones. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out to the Lord Jesus, Receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. So, this is basically the first martyr, the first person that we know of that died for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of advancing the gospel. And it became very clear on that day that if you followed Jesus, you could lose your life. You may be interrogated, um, brought to leaders. That's what happened before. You could have been flogged, abused. Um, but since they, at this point, there's this thing of like, you can lose your life for God. And if you read the rest of Acts, this is the story of the whole book. People losing their lives. People being persecuted. People going through hardships. There's, there's people that, let me just get this. We will see people that are questioned and abused, stoned and beaten, shipwrecked and beheaded. That's what ha well, that's happened here. You can't walk away from reading the book of Acts 1 to 28 and think that advancing the gospel to the ends of the earth, fulfilling this purpose for your life will be easy. This is an impossible, impossible conclusion to come to, that this purpose we have is an easy one. And so as I say, hey God, grant us joy amidst persecution, I want us to realize that our suffering is inevitable. I don't want to scare you, but it says in 2 Timothy 3 verse 12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not if, will be persecuted. If you continue to pursue the advancement of the gospel to the ends of the earth, then you will face tough times. There will be times that you're saying, God, if I wasn't doing this for this purpose, I wouldn't be in this situation. And that's true. See, the thing is that many of us will listen to that and say, but yeah, I didn't really face tough times for the gospel. Like, I am a believer, but I don't think it's really related to the gospel. I think it's maybe just related to the economy. We're all affected by it. You know, I think that we, as Christians, we're willing to go and do humanitarian things, face the human need. Hey, let me help you with some food. Let me, you know, bring water to this place. And, and those are good. But when we start meeting the spiritual needs of people and addressing those and pointing it out to them, that's when it starts changing. 
saying, people don't, I don't know if you know, but people don't like it when you tell them there's something wrong with them. They don't like it. Even when you say to them, hey, I've got the good news, it's fine. They're like, but I don't need your good news. I'm fine. That's persecution in itself. In Matthew 10, straight from Jesus' mouth, he said this. Have no fear. Do not be afraid. Do not fear those who kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul. So he said, have no fear. Do not be afraid. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. So don't be afraid. Do you, do you understand what God is saying here? He's saying, don't be afraid, because what's the worst thing they can do to you? Kill you. That, that's, that's the worst thing. And Jesus is saying that my gospel doesn't end there. Your death only enhances my gospel. You know, if you, look at the, if you look at God's mission is unstoppable. So if you look at Jesus, when he died, that's when it all began. And you look at the book of Stephen, uh, what happened to Stephen here, the same thing happened. And so in uh, chapter 8, verse 1, just now after Stephen, ha uh, Stephen has been stoned, he's dead, he's just died, um, this is what happens. You would expect the people to say, let's get out of here. Like, we need to, you know, go and hide. Like, I don't want to die. It says here, and Saul approved of his execution. And, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And you would think that means that they're hiding, you know. But if you skip down to verse 4 in chapter 8, it says, now, they, now those who were scattered went out preaching the word of God. They were like, you know what? This is it. Now we've got, we want to go and share this. This is only fueling us to share more of Christ. And I have to be honest with you. I don't know if I have that kind of passion in my life most of the time. It's like, God, you're, uh, you know, 50 teenagers on a Friday night. Ugh, I, I don't feel like coming to youth. It's like, God, I want to advance your kingdom through those moments. God, I want to go and see them play sport because I want to advance your kingdom through those moments. God's kingdom is unstoppable. And so I would just want to end off with this and say that Satan's strategy, strategies to stop the church, will ultimately serve to spread the church. Everything that Satan is trying to do on this earth to keep us from that purpose, if we say God use us and we totally surrender to Him because He's sovereign, we need to do that. When our, and our lives are on course to say, God, we want to fulfill this purpose, nothing can stop us. Not even, Satan's strategies will enhance us. Because you say, God, whatever you say, use it for your kingdom. And I want to go back to Joseph Tong um, and uh, just read this. And uh, I'll put it up because it's, a bit, it's quite a bit. Um, but just look at this thing of suffering and the intent of evil versus the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose. And it says, during an early interrogation, I had told an officer who was threatening to kill me, sir, let me explain how I see this issue. This is strong speaking. Your supreme weapon is killing. My supreme weapon is dying. Here's how it works. 
You know that my sermons on tape have spread all over the country. If you kill me, those sermons will be sprinkled with my blood. Everyone will know that I died for my preaching. And everyone who has a tape will pick it up and say, I'd better listen to it again. To what this many, uh, to this, what, oh, sorry, man preached because he really meant it. So I had a typo. He sealed it with his life. So, sirs, my sermon will speak ten times louder than before. I will actually rejoice in the supreme victory if you kill me. After I had said this, the interrogator sent me home. <laughs> Another officer who was interrogating a pastor friend of mine told him, who, we know that Mr. Tong would love to be a martyr, but we are not that foolish to fulfill his wish. <laughs> he writes, I stopped considering the meaning of that I stopped to consider the meaning of that statement. I remember how for many years I have been afraid of dying. I had kept a low profile because I wanted so badly to live. I had wasted my life in inactivity. But now that I had placed my life on, on the altar and decided I was ready to die for the gospel, they were telling me they would not kill me. I could go wherever I wanted in the country and preach whatever I wanted knowing I was safe. As long as I tried to save my life, I was losing it. Now that I was willing to lose it, I had found it. And there's a verse in the Bible that says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You can't stop people that live like that. You can't. You can't take the hope out of people that live like that. <clears throat> Because their hope is not found in anything you say, you do, the world throws at them. Their hope is found in Christ. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, Yanku, yes, I, I, I really don't identify with what you're saying. I believe in Christ. I believe in God. But that kind of radical love and lifestyle, that's not me. That's you or that's other people. And I want to say to you, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. God has called us all to be radically obedient, to be filled with His Spirit, to experience a life that is amazing because of our surrender to Him. You know, when we, when we say, I have an amazing life, what do, we, what do we think about? Do we think world or do we think God's kingdom? God's kingdom is, this is my purpose. Your life, this is what I have for you. Surrender to this. Give yourself to this. And I will be faithful to my word and supply everything that you need. I had a, another point, but I, I've gone over way over my time. Um, I want to encourage us out of this to say, God, you know, whatever I need to give myself to to advance the gospel... I will give myself to that. Be it Sunday mornings, that, this, is not just, this is not the only time we advance God's kingdom. If it was, then that would be such a sad thing. Such a sad thing. Because there are people that you rub shoulders with every single day that I will never even meet in my life. And they will never come here. But God has called you to advance the kingdom in that relationship. But we need to give ourselves to say, God, use me in the church to do that. God, use me in my workplace to do that. God, help me 
come together with my fellow believers to say, hey, how are you doing in the purpose that God has given us? So Sunday is a moment for that. But there are other moments like that as well. You can just have coffee with someone. We do live groups on Thursday and Wednesdays. We, we just gather together with our heart to say, God, help us with this purpose. How are we doing? God, let's, let's fellowship together. Let's partner together. If you look at the start of the church, there were people gathering together and scattering together. So I want to pray for us. But I, I don't want to pray uh, a prayer of, thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's go back and let's go and uh, just forget about what is said. I, I'm challenged because I know so much of what I said. I need so much more of. So I'm going to ask us to stand. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, let's stand um, and just pray. Just close our eyes. Father God, I just I pray for just everyone here in this room, Lord Jesus. Um, Father, I, I really pray that, that whatever so seeds were sown this morning, Father God, only you know, Father God, what needed to be said and what needed to be heard. And I, I really pray right now just for open hearts, Father. Just an openness to... To, to your kingdom, to your word, to your purpose and not our own. And Father God, where we've, where we've uh, just spent all our time, all our efforts, everything, our minds are consumed by things that we want to pursue, we want to accomplish, we want to do for our own personal gain. Father, I pray that you highlight those things on our hearts right now and say, my, my son, my daughter, I need more of you. I need more space in your life. I actually don't need more. I need your life. God doesn't want to compromise with anything in your life. He wants your life. He wants all of it. I pray right now, Lord, that, that we would see how big you are and how small we are. We see how holy you are and how sinful we are, Father. We just see the beauty of Jesus in that. That Jesus, you made a way. You made a way for us to enjoy this everlasting life. Father God, yes, when we die, but now, Father God, we've got we've, a new life, Lord Jesus. A new life you call us to. A new life with a purpose that is yours. An eternal purpose. A purpose that, that goes beyond anything man can give us, say to us, the lies that the world throws, us, throws at us of chasing after wealth, success, happiness. Those are all void when we encounter you and your purpose. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd help us in that.